mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello. Welcome to Telling Everybody Everything. I hope that you've had a fun week. I just realized Easter is like two weekends away. I don't like these arbitrary holidays when it's the it's the seventh Sunday of the moon after the Lent begins the time. Listen, pick a day like Christmas has done, like New Year's Eve, always December 31st, January 1st. I like that my birthday is the same date, not like, well, you were born 12 hours after the first chrysanthemum of the summer breeze. Like, I can't follow it. So have I ordered any chocolate eggs? No, I have not. Is Violet young enough to participate in the magic of Easter? I mean, I had friends in Canada who had no idea what it was about. And I'm jealous. I want to live my life with the reckless abandon of those kids who just thought a bunny that could lay eggs showed up one day and they all got chocolate. No, that's not how it works in a Catholic household. You have been through a period of penance and then you know it's all about religion and you wake up and you have to put on pastels and a hat and go to church and then gather with your friends, well, your parents' friends, because you don't have any friends of your own. You're not in charge of who your friends are. You have to hang out with kids who are local to where your house is. It's very geographically determined. And then the children of your parents' Irish friends. So we'd have brunch with them. And yes, there would be chocolate. But we knew that it, like everything, was about shame and penance and sacrifice and Jesus rising again. And then fertility, for some reason. Well, because of the spring. The dog's running around the room. He doesn't know what he wants to do. Manny, what do you want? Get up there if you can. He wants to be with me, but he hates equipment. I think he's been smacked with the phone too many times. You know, people with newborns, they drop their phones in the newborn's face. And I know you do this because I used to do it. And you don't tell anyone because you feel like it makes you a bad parent. But we've all tried to photograph newborns and ended up striking them in the mouth with a falling iPhone. It's an accident. All right, sorry, Manny. Violet's hurting my feelings because I have to go to a seaside town in England for a couple of weeks to film something amazing that I'm so excited about. And when she was little, I used to bring her everywhere. And I understand that she's in secondary school now. School is more important. She has social calendar. She has studies that take precedent. But so many of them are still studying virtually. And I thought, well, she can come with me and stay in the house and study virtually. But 
No, she's asking to go to school every day and to take advantage of the boarding program. Well, we didn't have boarding, I don't think, at all in Canada. And I'm on the fence about its applications here. I think it's maybe good for 12-year-old girls. Uh, There's discipline, there are friends, they get a new routine. But in this country, you know, I read about seven-year-old boys being shipped away for months at a time. And they're without their parents, like in a Lord of the Flies, but posh scenario. And then they become our rulers. And they don't seem mentally well. So I have some mixed views about it. And especially... I'm just hurt that she's so excited to do it. She's like, yes, here is the plan. I will board for that two weeks. And I know which room I'm going to stay in. And I know how I'm going to decorate it. And I know what I'm going to do. And I just hope, I mean, I got to sabotage it somehow. Yeah. You know, those old films, uh, not, well, they're old now, 90s films, the films we grew up with, where there'd be sabotage. Like someone wanted to buy the conservatory that the babysitter's club wanted to run their business out of. So all the girls from the babysitter's club made it look like it was downtrodden or haunted so that the buyers wouldn't go there and sort of home alone. I got to do a Kevin McAllister scenario, or maybe I got to rewatch Mean Girls and like fuck with some of this so that boarding is not what she wants to do. Because imagine I come back from work. And Violet's like, oh, you again. Do you know what I preferred, actually, is being a custodian of the education system. And it's not far off something that I would have done as a very young child. I saw girls living together. I saw The Little Orphan Annie, and I was motivated by that film. I thought, wow, living in that orphanage with Miss Hannigan would be tight. Everyone's a gymnast. Everyone's a friend. They get a dog in there somehow. Miss Hannigan's drunk all the time. What a delight. I couldn't see the darkness. I just thought, this is the life for me. And if you are not yet friends with Sarah Pascoe, speaking of friends, you need to hook up that friendship because I get all of my psychology and gender news from Sarah. You can buy her books or probably see her speaking about clever things online if you know you're not in a position to make personal friends with her now and she told me that girls violet's age get all of their oxytocin or all of their dopamine from chatting to each other from bonding and telling you know intimate secrets and being together so i do get it and there's an article from the times i'm going to read you the bit that's free as not to get myself in trouble with the times and it says connecting through talking activates the pleasure centers in a teenage girl's brain sharing secrets that have romantic and sexual implications whoa 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 well this sexual implications doesn't apply yet activates those centers even more We're not talking about a small amount of pleasure. This is huge. It's a major dopamine and oxytocin rush, which is the biggest, fastest neurological reward you can get outside of an orgasm. Dopamine is a neurochemical that stimulates the motivation and pleasure circuits in the brain. Estrogen at puberty increases dopamine and oxytocin production in girls. Oxytocin is a neurohormone that triggers and is triggered by intimacy. When estrogen's on the rise, a teenage girl's brain is pushed to make even more oxytocin and to get even more reinforcement for social bonding. Oh, I'm toast. I'm out of this girl's life so fast. Sarah sent me that article. If you want to read the rest of it, 
if you have teenage girls, I don't know, it's in the times. And yeah, they just, that breaks my heart for them in lockdown because they just want to be together and chat. And I was the same way, laying on my parents' stairs, monopolizing the one landline. So I'm going to let her do it. I'm going to let her do it for two weeks. But if she panics because the boarding house is mysteriously haunted or there is some type of infestation of snakes, then Violet, I will come and get you immediately. On the subject of schools, Bobby and I watched the Netflix documentary, I think it's called Operation Varsity Blues. That's definitely what the FBI called the investigation when it was secret. It's about that big college admissions scandal when Felicity Huffman was sentenced to 14 days in jail and a fine, and then Aunt Becky um, Lori Lachlan was also sentenced to jail time. All these celebrities and bon vivants and rich people got busted for paying a man uh, an illegal fee to help get their children into college. And I remember reading this when it happened, and the American education system is, of course, very competitive, and there's Ivy League this and that, and it can really dictate the rest of your life. I mean, someone like Jared Kushner, for example, he went to Harvard, but his father did make something like a $3 million loan, or not loan, donation to the school. And those things are dodgy. It's not illegal to make a donation to Harvard. And if you do that, Harvard are not obligated to let your child in. And sometimes, apparently, they don't. I think you need to make a donation, they said, of $10 million, $20 million before Harvard are really interested. I mean, that's how much money is floating around in this system. And so, over time, rich people who are used to privilege, who are used to being able to buy what they want... They approached this middleman who said, all right, well, the backdoor entrance into Harvard will cost $10 million or $5 million, but I have developed a little side door entrance where we fluff their application or maybe we cheat on their test or we deal with the athletics department and we say that they are very talented at some niche sport like rowing or water polo at whichever Ivy League school. It wasn't always Harvard. And they would pay him maybe 500000 or maybe 100000 and their child would be admitted. And I think this started to get attention and blow up when Aunt Becky, Lori Lachlan's daughter, who I forget her name, and I mean, leave her out of it. She's a child, but she's a TikTok, YouTube, makeup artist type of young celebrity's daughter influencer. She's very high profile in her community, and her high school teachers knew that she wasn't an athlete and she wasn't maybe that bright. And they're involved with admissions themselves. They want to get certain students the best help that they can when they're applying to all these colleges. And when they saw that she got into this great school in California, they raised some alarms. I think everybody went, what? Hang on, because of course these kids don't keep it to themselves. They get all the gear from the school. Oh, I'm going to Northwestern University. I'm going to Brown. And they put it on Instagram. It's very, very important. And of course, the problem is when this happens, it 
presumably takes away a place from someone from a different socioeconomic background who might have earned their way into the university based on merit. And it's this big question of merit and fairness and what's the right way to get in versus what's the wrong way to get in. And I'm telling you, I haven't given too much away. I think this is really a public case by now. You would have seen snippets on the news. But the documentary is pretty good to watch because you really see, I think from my perspective anyway, I don't even blame these parents. I really don't. Because there's a precedent that they can pay to have a certain level of VIP service when they go here, when they go there, when they go on holiday, I think it's the fault of the universities for having a backdoor entrance in the first place. What are you doing with a backdoor entrance, Harvard, where you're taking donations? Oh, you know, it's not that I'm trying to get my child into the school. I just really feel like having my name on a $20 million library at Harvard. You make a backdoor, someone's going to find a side door. And if anything... I applaud this side door fraudster because if there wasn't a back door, there wouldn't be the side door. Use only the front fucking door and then you won't have people cheating your system, which is already a cheat. I can't tell you how many douchebag, slow Canadian boys I grew up with who got to go to fancy American schools because they were good at hockey. Where does the cheating end and where does the cheating begin? I mean, a lot of people get their children into athletics and they really start them young being competitive so that they'll be an asset to a university and they'll get to go for a scholarship. But I mean, why? Why? Because someone then was born with loads of strong, sexy thigh muscles to be a great ice hockey player. Should he get to go to a division one school? Now, there were some smart boys at my school also who went to amazing universities because they were all so good at hockey. But if you're just born like me and you never play any sports and you're just never going to be good at sports no matter what, but you're academic, it's way harder to get into school. And so we all come from different levels of opportunity and privilege, I guess, and people stack their athletic teams. Why? Because they have a successful athletics team, then the school makes more money, people want to go and watch these games, especially in America. But to tell you the truth, I don't understand sports that well. I don't even understand why teams get to have players that aren't from their neighborhood. Like if I'm watching Liverpool versus Uh, Crystal Palace, which I'm not doing. I don't even know if those two teams play each other. But I kind of don't understand why people on the team are Spanish or like not even Spanish when they're not from just Liverpool. That's how I thought sports worked all my life. I thought if you play for the Chicago Bulls, then that is because you are from Chicago. And no, everybody moves around. Everybody gets, you know, obviously I know the business of athletics now, but it starts at university And you can just get better things depending on who your parents are, where you were born, how you're born, what kind of family you're born into, how good you are at athletics. And no, I don't think that these kids should be denied the opportunity to go to amazing universities and do their sports. And I think sports 
and athletics are great and very enriching and everything else. I'm just saying, if you didn't have these back doors, side doors, secret athletic programs to be like, oh, yes, that little TikTok girl who's uh, Aunt Becky's daughter from Full House, she's an excellent rower, actually. So we're putting her on the rowing team and she doesn't have to take the test. I mean, that's just a little much. But you made those rules. You make a system that's kind of corrupt and people will exploit it. Which brings me to the village idiot that is Megan McCain. She is a host on The View in America. If you are listening in the UK and you've not heard of The View, it is a very spicy roundtable where different women with different views that I think they're very politically um, opposed by design because it makes for a very interesting and layered chat. Uh, they host a breakfast show that is meant to pretty much rile everybody up in the morning. It's the same kind of format, maybe as Loose Women, but with a Good Morning Britain twist of the knife. It's a great show. I actually love The View. And there's always a character on there that I'm like, oh, this bitch again. And Whoopi Goldberg has to sit there and tolerate it. But fine, different views are represented. That is how a lot of family dinners work. That is how a lot of groups of friends should maybe be. I like it. I like The View. Historically, no, I'm not a fan of Meghan McCain, and she is the daughter of former presidential candidate Senator John McCain and his wife Cindy McCain. Uh, If you were following politics during that time, you will know who she is. She first became a public figure on that whole electoral time in 2007, maybe, when she was 11 years old. She went to an all-girl private Catholic high school, I think in Arizona, and she has a bachelor's degree in art history. She registered as a Republican really young. She got loads of internships, like one, I think, at Saturday Night Live, and she was writing for the Daily Beast. Basically, she got a lot of opportunities that one might get if her father is Sarah Palin's running mate, and she's really high profile. So when she goes on with some of her opinions, she went on The View today, and it's caused quite a stir during the whole conversation about Black Lives Matter and diversity and now the stop Asian hate hashtag. And she's talking about affirmative action and saying, well, what? Because we haven't had an Asian American host in whatever number of years that we should just get one. No, I think it should be based on merit. I'm tired of identity politics. It should always be about merit. And well, I'll let you listen to it first. And I think the question Democrats have to reconcile with right now is whether or not race and gender are more important than qualification. So if you have someone who is more qualified, who happens to be a white straight person, who is more on paper, has more experience in whatever field that they're being nominated for than a minority with less experience, are we now in a place where this matters? And there's a lot of really interesting um, politics going on in the country right now, of a job. And I think that's a question going forward that the progressive She literally said then instead of than, number one. And where do you think all this experience comes from, Megan, on your resume? Like, well, if so-and-so's dad was not able to get them an internship at Saturday Night Live, then are they more qualified than me? No, they're just taking my job because of race. I mean, look, say whatever you want to say about 
what culture is doing right now and identity politics and everything else. But what kills me about some of these white people is they sit there thinking they got the job based on merit. And if they lose the job, then it must be because someone else is finding a back door or a side door in or weaseling in based on a diversity quota that they must be the most qualified person to be there. They're not there because of their skin color. No, Meghan McCain. It's not because you're John McCain's daughter that you have the job or any other tricksy reason. You are definitely, darling, there on merit alone. There was certainly no college admission scandal when you were being admitted to Columbia. No, I see it time and time again in every industry. And certainly when you look at the high number of either athletics coaches or executives, and a lot of them are white men, and then you try to introduce a different path and you go, well, you know, you can't just have all white men. And then they'll say, well, shouldn't it just be the best person for the job? As if to insinuate that is just a coincidence that all of the best people for the job are white men. I mean, the audacity to deny that what progressives actually want is that those spaces be filled by the best people for the job. We're all fighting for the same truth, but in a different way. Well, shouldn't it be the best people for the job? Yes, Megan McCain, daughter of former presidential candidate who has a Bachelor of Arts degree. Who's going to tell her? Who's going to tell her? (laughs) The saddest part of the Netflix Operation Varsity Blues documentary was that a lot of the parents were on the phone with this middleman fraudster guy. And they were like, my daughter definitely won't know because we don't want my daughter to know that we've cheated her into this university. We want her to think that she did really well on the test. And they had, oh, they had reenactments. And this is what's wrong with this generation. Like happiness does not come from achievements and just getting there. Happiness comes from the struggle and the work that it actually takes and maybe failing a couple times and then getting there. Like they've done all these other brain studies. Thank you, Sarah Pasco, on, you know, where that joy and fulfillment comes from. And I know in my life, I, I didn't love struggling when I was struggling, but I look back on it, I'm like, amazing. It's made me resilient. I loved those times. But these parents are having like secret chats on the mobile phone out by the pool house. And they're like, all right. So my daughter's actually so stupid that, you know, she can take loads of practice exams at home and get like 12%. And then we'll put her in a room with your secret guy and we'll make all these exemptions and we'll do all the stuff that we have to do. And when she looks at her test results, she will magically have got perfect on the test. And and when we send her to school and she's on the rowing team, like she's actually so fucking thick that she she won't know that we cheated because, you know, my daughter's just such an honorable person who wants to get in off her own back. And you can't, you're not helping these kids. She's Those little girls are going to be on The View one day being like, okay, I have all the charm and charisma of a slug. But I am the best suited person to be on The View. And if an Asian American woman ever replaces me, it will be bullshit. And it will be identity politics. Because if you look at my resume, my daddy on paper was actually able to get a lot of things written down on there. 
please. I need to cool down. So please listen to these incredible messages from our beautiful sponsors, all of whom are handpicked by me, and it's stuff that I really like. So I hope you don't mind these cool ads that I wrote. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com We're back and it's time to read the emails. I get one, oh my God, and I worry about my dad's past because the title is, Are We Related? Now, I found a cousin through DNA researching before, and I mean, I could see it happening again, but let's see what this lady has to say. Catherine, I listened to the last episode of your podcast where you talked about your ancestry. Oh, I loved working with ancestry. Okay, I love researching all that stuff too. And a few years ago, I made a big family tree. My grandma's maiden name is Belle. We also have some Welsh roots. You mentioned a Welsh Mary Belle. And so I have come to the obvious conclusion that we are related, considering that rare names like Mary and Belle are hard to find. I do indeed have a few Mary Bells on my family tree that I don't know much about. I am related to Virginia Woolf? which is pretty cool. And on the off chance you are related to me through our Marys, I thought you would like to know that you may be related to literary royalty. Your long lost cousin, Olivia, you know what? It checks out. Uh, I don't think people moved around that much back then. And maybe they banged exclusively people in their neighborhood. Uh, Mary Bell's a common name, yes, but we might be related. I mean, the timeline works and makes a lot of sense that I would be related to the woman who's considered one of the most important modernist 20th century authors and a pioneer in the use of stream of consciousness as a narrative device. And look at her. Look at Virginia Woolf here in 1902. We do look exactly the same. Long face, long nose. I mean, I kind of look like every person from the 19th century. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I can't confirm or deny it, but I love your email. Next, am I an asshole for not wanting to go to a funeral? Before even reading this email, I could say no. And this is a controversial thing about me. I don't think I'll go to anyone's funeral in my family. Uh, Wow, Catherine, bombshell. But listen, they're dead. And I don't have attachment from like the body to the soul. I really separate those two things. And when I die, I don't even want a funeral. Same as I didn't want a wedding. I don't really understand certain elements of life. I mean, I guess I wouldn't haunt anyone for giving me a funeral if it helped them get closure. But if you don't need to go to someone's funeral to get your own closure, then don't go for them. Like I, look, okay. My dad's going to find out about this and he won't like it. But I feel like I don't know if I would fly home to Canada to attend my dad's funeral because I don't think my dad would be there. And there wouldn't be people there who would need my comfort. Uh, Although if my dad's wife died, then she's not related to me and we're not as close. I mean, I love my dad's wife, but I'm not, you know, 
she's not my dad, but my dad would be alive at her funeral and he would need my comfort. Do you know what I mean? I don't worry about the deceased like caring how close I am to their body. And that, I don't know. I just have a spiritual, like I think the soul is very separate. I'm going to read your email now. You are a 26-year-old Toronto gay from a previous episode who was looking to flee the country, Philip. You're being very greedy writing me all the time. And I don't know why. I just keep happening to open your emails. Do you know how I do it? Because I get hundreds. I just like, look, look, look. And then I just pick one. I don't plan in advance what I'm going to read. You said, my father and I were never really close. I was always very gay as a child. Me too. And I just don't think he ever really understood me or my brother, who is also queer. He isn't a very good guy. He was physically and emotionally abusive to my mother. He cheated on her several times. He left her in debt that she is still paying off to this day. They got divorced in 2003 when my mother found out he was having an affair with his 17-year-old co-worker. Okay. He has since married that particular mistress and they have a child, my half-brother. Growing up, my mom always made sure that my brother and I had a relationship with my dad. It's better, even if he's a prick, it's better to have a relationship usually, unless he's dangerous. We'd always go over on weekends and spend time with him. She would even pay him to babysit us, his own children. What? My and my brother's relationship with our father was more important to her than it was to us, always. In 2013, my father and the mistress got married. She gave birth to my half-brother. It was after the wedding that my father just kind of stopped communicating with my brother and me altogether. To me, it felt like he had forgotten about his previous family and moved on to his new life. That's shitty, but it's how it goes sometimes. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm sorry about all of this. So I'm reading through the rest of your email. You know, maybe you should... It's not about your father. I know your mom made it a lot about him all your life, but it really isn't. And, you know, of course you're sad that he passed, but... I would not feel an obligation to go, is my answer. If you feel like you can gain something from going and you feel like you need to put this chapter to rest and say goodbye in whatever way, but here you are being so considerate and asking at the end of your email, you know, I don't want my mother to be disappointed that I wouldn't go. Am I an asshole? Do you think that this is justified? You don't have to justify yourself to a man that is deceased. You know, like you can talk to him now in your bedroom. I feel like since my grandma died a long time ago, like 22 years ago, I feel her close to me all the time and I can talk to her anytime I want. You don't need to be in a church looking at a body that is no longer his, I feel. But I don't know what you feel. So if that would help you, then you go. But you're a grown ass Toronto gay and you don't have to justify yourself to anyone So don't ask me, don't ask your mom, just really have a think about it. Maybe chat with your brother and do whatever you want to do. Little trigger, if you are one of the teenagers who listens to this, just earmuffs, earmuffs all the way. The title, why is this man so obsessed with my asshole, the hole? Catherine, I'm a college student in the US. Well, that's why. There you go. End of email. And recently, I've been hooking up with one of my guy friends. The sex is great. However, he's made it clear to me that he has had anal sex with girls in the past, and he enjoys it. I love he's made it clear to me, you know? He's not just, you know, quietly beating around the bush. He has made it crystal clear to me that he has had anal sex and that he enjoys it. 
I told him up front that I'm not interested as I'm saving my asginity for marriage. Yeah, smart. So did I. He told me once when I asked him that the attraction of this act is, he says that guys usually like doing this when a girl's front door is not as small as they would prefer. He has also made it clear to me on several occasions that my front door is the smallest and tightest of front doors that he has ever entered. Now, in the middle of our last escapade, he bashfully asks me while I'm on top if I would be interested in him sticking his finger into my asshole. I refused. As someone who has one of the top four assholes, in some number one asshole's opinion, I was hoping you'd give me (laughs) some answers. This is not a joke. (laughs) I love the end of the email. This is not a joke. All right. So you've, you're saving your virginity for marriage. You've said it yourself. So keep that promise to yourself. You know, it's sacred. You don't want to do it. If you decide that this is the, the one or you want to change the goalposts on your original deal with yourself. And uh, look, it's not that bad. It's not like excellent. I don't know. Some people really like it. I love, it's an interesting side note that you're happy to say asshole again and again and again, but because of patriarchal social conditioning, you won't say vagina. You would rather say front door. And I'll have you know, a front door is huge. A front door is massive. You can fit a piano through it in most cases. So like, just say vagina. It's fine with me. Um, Congratulations on having a really small and tight vagina. I think I've heard it's absolutely perfect to use your vagina hole for sex because it is lubricated and it is tight all the way up. And what I've heard about assholes is that they're tight in one spot and then they're not so tight in the rest. Do you know what I mean? Like the actual hole is really tight and then the rest isn't. And also I don't really understand how they self-lubricate. So you're going to need to like go to Boots. Oh, you live in America. So you're going to need to make a trip to CVS or like let some weird man spit on your bum. I don't really know what the plan is, but here's what I feel about anal sex ultimately. If you choose to do it before marriage, and that is no one's decision but yours, um, then if it doesn't work out and this guy turns out to be a dick, then you put his most important possession in your ass. And there's something really poetic about that. There's something I love about it. If he ever does you wrong or cheats on you or does something terrible, at the end of the day, you took his most prized possession and you put it in your ass. And I love that about anal sex. I don't think they get one up on you for doing it. If it's about any type of domination, then you come out of that the winner. You love your dick, gentlemen. You love your dick. And what did I do with it? I put it in my ass. (laughs) The main message, do whatever you want to do. Never be ashamed of what you've done. Just make sure you're comfortable with what you've done. Um, I'm going to read one more email in a moment, but I'm going to say goodbye first just to create a barrier between some of these highly sexual emails and a serious email that I received in response to the woman who was worried about her landlord maybe being a pedophile. And I really love that you guys write in with some sound advice sometimes because I'm not an expert. I can't always give this advice. I think it's such a lovely way to have a conversation and to connect 
and I hope that we can help the women who wrote in last week. Please write me an email. I know I didn't get to very many of them today. I might do an email bonanza special next week. The address is telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening once again. Please don't cheat to get into college unless you have to cheat to get into college because I guess the broken system is there to be exploited. Here's the final email. Catherine, I was listening to the email of the woman who believed her landlord was a pedophile. I would strongly recommend that she utilize Sarah's Law, also known as the Child Sex Offender Disclosure Scheme. It allows parents to ask police if someone with access to their children has been convicted or suspected of child abuse. Officers can look into the background of individuals and reveal details if they think it's in the child's best interest. This would definitely be able to validate any information from a policing perspective. Another law I think should be shouted out about at this time is Claire's Law, also known as the Domestic Violence Disclosure Scheme. This gives anyone a right to ask the police if they believe that they or someone they know is in a relationship with an individual who could be abusive toward them. The police can reveal details if the person has an abusive past. With domestic abuse increasing throughout the pandemic, you're not wrong, and the response that sparked around male violence from Sarah Everard's death, I don't think these things can be talked about enough. My sister went through a horrific case of domestic abuse, and even now she has to deal with her ex as they have a child together. Ugh, the nightmare. Myself and my dad never liked this guy, and we thought there was something off about him, but we didn't know about Claire's law at the time. I think now about whether I could have stopped her from this abuse if I'd been able to check out his past, as he had done this with four other women before. Well, certainly I would say, don't blame yourself. I'm sure you voiced your opinions to your sister about not liking this guy. And at the end of the day, she's going to make her own decisions. I watch programs, namely my favorite program, Lockdown Love. Women will write to Ted Bundy in jail. You know, women fall in love sometimes and men as well with all kinds of people that they shouldn't so you are in no way culpable for your sister's predicament now though it's great that you're supporting her and it's great that you're able to share this information with the listeners today because I know that it will help so many people and I worry all the time about the rise of domestic abuse and also child endangerment in this lockdown may we never find ourselves here again I'll see you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. 
Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com